You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to, with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse number five, Brother Dan read for us, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'll let you be seated there. We'll pray in just a moment. I'd like to begin the message by recounting an, a, a couple of events that have happened in history. On August the 6th and August the 9th, 1945, for those of you history buffs, I'm sure you know what those dates um, represent. But those were the dates that the atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki that ultimately uh, ended World War II. They estimate that those bombs killed between 130 and 230,000 people. And of course, those are strictly estimates. It's amazing to think that those weapons were available and uh, those weapons were used 70 years ago. Here we are in 2021 and we really don't know the kind of weapons that are available in our nation and the nations of China and Russia and North Korea and what's going on in the Middle East. We do know about a B-83 nuclear bomb. We know about that. That particular bomb, if it were dropped, uh, would do far greater damage than the atomic bombs that were dropped in 1945. We also know about, and this was readily available in the 1980s, uh, near the end of the Cold War, but we know about the ICBMs, the Intercontinental Ballistic Missiles, that can be launched and can travel thousands of miles from where they are launched to the intended target. I began to study a little bit of that and research a little bit of that this week, and I got to a point where I said, I don't want to know anymore. This is scary stuff. This is, this is stuff that is available. These are, these are weapons that exist today. And by the way, how many of you know we live in a crazy world? We live in a world where people have lost their minds. 
And these kinds of weapons, I, I don't mean to scare you today, but I do want to tell you these kinds of weapons can be used at any time. Reminded me of Lamentations chapter 3 where the Bible says it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You see, it's only because of God's grace that we're all still alive today. Whether it be from bombs or whether it be from uh, a sickness or it be from violence or it be from accidents. I want to read to you a quote that was written. It was stated in 1948, three years after the atomic bombs were dropped. It was written by a Christian author by the name of C.S. Lewis. Many of you know that name. C.S. Lewis was an atheist and he came to Christ and God got a hold of him. And he wrote in 1948, he said this, In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, Mr. Lewis says, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, the advantage of anesthetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have now added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying and working and teaching, reading, listening to music, spending time with our children, spending time with our friends, but not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they indeed need not dominate our minds. That was written in 1948. I want to ask you this morning, we'll have prayer and we'll get into the message, but I want to ask you this morning, what is dominating your mind? What is dominating my mind? Can I tell you, whatever is dominating your mind is something that you have allowed to dominate your mind. Before we pray, I want you to look one more time at verse number five, Philippians two. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That word let, it means to allow. It gives the idea that we allow or we decide what controls our mind. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. Help us not to miss 
these truths from your precious word. And Lord, I, I know that these dear folks here in the service and those listening on the radio, those watching online, I'm sure they feel like this is a pastor who is preaching to them, but I pray that you'd help them to understand this morning that this is a pastor who is preaching to himself. And I believe that as I preach this message to myself, I believe that there will be a lot of other people that will be helped today because I know the power of your word and I know the power of the Holy Spirit that can convict and speak and, and lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray that you'd help us today. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is back to school Sunday, and I remember when I was in elementary, I remember we had a, a teacher who, if we were not paying attention, and you know how students can be, they don't pay attention. You know how adults can be, how we don't pay attention sometimes. But the teacher would say, all right, boys and girls, it's time to put on your thinking cap. And the teacher would, you know, put on an imaginary cap and we tied under our chin, you know, okay, our thinking cap is on. Now we're going to think about school. Well, I want to tell you every day you got to put on a thinking cap and every day you got to put on something that causes you to think like Jesus thinks to cause you to think about those things that God would have you to think about. Romans chapter 12, you don't have to turn there for time, but I want to read for you Romans 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes we think that the thoughts of the world are wicked and sinful and, and evil, and yes, they are. But sometimes the thoughts of the world are thoughts of fear and thoughts of worry and thoughts of dread. And I want to tell you, I want to remind you today, if you've heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times, but God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm not suggesting that you be ignorant. I'm not suggesting that you cut off all contact with the outside world, but I'm saying you've got a process and you've got a filter when you receive bad news, when you hear negative news, when you hear depressing things, you got to filter all of that through the mind of Christ. If you don't, you will be depressed. I understand, I shouldn't say understand, but I think I know how people in this world are depressed. Can I tell you, if I didn't know Christ as my savior, I'd be depressed too. I'd be a basket case. I would be worried out of control if I didn't know Jesus Christ, if I didn't have the Bible, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit of God, if I didn't have the avenue of prayer. I can't imagine how crazy my mind would be. But I want to tell you, friend, if you know the Lord, there's a peace that passes all understanding. And you can experience that on a daily basis. Notice with me, if you would, verse number two of Philippians chapter two, Paul said this. He said, fulfill ye my joy. The book of Philippians is a book about the joyful Christian life. Uh, Paul, when he said, fulfill my joy, he wasn't saying I'm on empty and I need something to get in my tank. Paul said, I'm already full. He said, but maybe, maybe I can cram a little bit more in. And I want to tell you, friend, you and I as Christians, we ought to have joy. We ought to have happiness and peace and contentment that just blows people away. When things get stressful 
And when things get hard and people begin to quit and people begin to panic, as Christians, we ought to stand strong because we have the joy of the Lord. Paul says, fulfill ye my joy. I want to tell you there are people that can rob your joy. There are situations and there are circumstances in life that can rob your joy if you let them. We must not allow those things, but verse 5, we must allow this mind to be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. A, a study was, took place medically. This was not a, a pastor. This was not a, a Christian organization that did this. But they found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period of time affects the brain so much that it actually shows up on a brain scan. Now, now, hang on, folks. We understand there's a whole lot more power in prayer than just that because there's the spiritual. There's the miraculous power of God. When we pray, prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. Prayer moves the mighty hand of God. But even medically, they have studied and they said when somebody will dedicate every day for eight weeks, they'll dedicate 12 minutes of focused prayer. It affects the brain. Can I tell you, we need to get back to prayer. Sometimes we wonder why we're so worried and why everything's so out of control in our lives. But if we'd go to the prayer closet, we'd find we haven't been there in a while. May God help us as Christians to pray. May God help us to have the mind of Christ. Notice quickly, if you would, the mind of Christ is a mind of peace. It says in Philippians 2, verse number 1, if there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if there be any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Number one, I want you to notice there's a mind of peace. The mind of Christ is a mind of peace. It says if there be any consolation in Christ. Don't you love it? Don't you love it when people are encouraging? How many of you like it when people are encouraging to you? Good, all right, good. That's most of us. And uh, those of you that don't like that, I'd love to hear your reasons afterwards, but I don't have time right now. Um, but I love it when people are encouraging. You know, there's times maybe where uh, maybe it's a rough day at work. Uh, and I've told you, you know, you say, well, why do you have a rough day at work? It's not the church members, it's the staff members, you know. Uh, specifically the assistant pastors. I won't name them, but you, you know which ones you can imagine. But you know, I may have a rough day at work and I may come home and I've had a rough day. And you know what? If I come home and my wife will just say something encouraging, say, well, well, Jeremy, those assistant pastors, you know, they don't know that they've got the best pastor in the whole world. And you know, she's lying, but hey, I'll take it, right? I will take that to the bank and that will make me feel good, even if it's not true, right? Consolation. You say, well, pastor, I don't have any consolation. Uh, say, you know, my, my spouse, they tell me how terrible I am. My kids, they're always complaining. You know, my parents this, or my coworkers this. Well, guess what? This verse says if there be any consolation in who? In Christ. Aren't you glad there's encouragement in Christ? Aren't you glad that Jesus is pulling for us? 
Aren't you glad that he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother? And he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. There's comfort. There's encouragement. There's a like-minded spirit, the Bible says. A mind of peace, not only in, in our relationship with the Lord, that we're at peace with God, but there, that we're at peace with one another. The Bible says that let not uh, nothing be done through strife. Strife is putting people down. Vainglory is trying to put yourself up. That's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is, is focused on how can I help somebody else? In Roanoke Rapids, we don't deal with this problem that much, but in California, where my wife and I lived, it was very frequent that you could not find a parking space. And I don't mean you couldn't find a close one. I mean, you couldn't find one. And you know, you see that parking space and you're on a mission to get to that parking space. Well, guess what? Somebody else is on a mission to cut you off and get in that parking space before you get there. You know what the mind of Jeremy wants to do? I want to get there first. I want to get there first and then I want to say, ha ha, I gotcha. You know what the mind of Christ is? I'll let them have the parking space. You say, well, why in the world would you want to do that? I didn't say I want to do that, but I'm saying that's the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is not trying to see how you can make everybody else's life miserable, but see how you can help to bring peace in your home, bring peace at the job, bring peace in your neighborhood. I'm not saying that you compromise and I'm not saying you, you, you give up your beliefs. I'm just saying that you have a spirit and a mind to say, I want to have peace. That's the mind of Christ, putting others first. Notice quickly, number two, a mind of passion. The Bible says, uh, if uh, there be any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, that term there literally means that you have a love that, that is so deep, it comes from the inside that you care about what others are going through. Boy, I tell you, we need to get back to a mind of passion, a mind of love. I want to remind you, God so loved that He gave. I want to remind you that it is the love of Christ that constrains us. We've got all of our teachers that we've recognized and school staff that we've recognized. I'll tell you, in every case that I know of, these folks, they're not doing it because they hate the kids. They're doing it because they love, because they care for the children. You talk to our Sunday school teachers and bus workers and nursery workers. You know what drives them? It's love. It's a passion to make a difference. Number one, there must be a mind of peace. Number two, mind of passion. Number three, a mind of purity. I've already showed you the verse, but it says in verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. We're not doing it to, to try to gain something. I'm not doing something for Brother Jason just because I say, well, if I do this for Brother Jason, he'll do something for me. Or I'll do something for Brother Charles because he'll do something for me. That's not love. That's not purity. That's selfish motives. And friend, I want to tell you, when you get to where you live for others, not for what they can do to you, but you live for others because you truly love them, that's when you're going to find the mind of Christ, a mind of purity. Quickly, number four, I want you to see a mind of purpose. The Bible says in verse number eight, in Jesus being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What was Jesus' purpose? His purpose was to come to this earth and to suffer and to die on a cross. I want to remind you, you and I, 
We may not have to die on a cross. As a matter of fact, I sure hope I don't have to die on a cross. I hope I don't have to be a martyr. But you and I, our purpose was not to come to live a comfortable, uh, complacent, easy, spoiled life. Our purpose was to come to this earth to bring glory to God. Our purpose was to come to this earth so that we could point others to Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. His purpose was a purpose of sacrifice. In the early 1900s, there were some missionaries that traveled to the New Hebrides Islands uh, in the South Pacific, off the coast of Australia and Papua New Guinea in that region. These missionaries went and they packed in a very unusual way. They didn't pack their belongings in crates. They didn't pack their belongings in suitcases. But they packed all of their belongings in coffins. Because when they set sail for the New Hebrides Islands, they knew they were not coming back. They would face headhunters. They would face dangerous people. They would face dangerous circumstances. And when they went, they knew they weren't coming back. So they packed their belongings in a coffin. One particular missionary, his name was A.W. Milne. He went to the New Hebrides Islands with his belongings packed in a coffin. And that coffin was used, but it was 35 years later after he had ministered to those people. He died there on that mission field and the people that he ministered to, they loved him, they cared about him. He had helped them, he led them to Christ. And those people took that missionary and they buried him in the middle of their village and they put, they inscribed on his tombstone these words. When he came, there was no light. But when he left, there was no darkness. And that missionary devoted his life to take the gospel to people that had never heard. And the very people that he went to minister, they said, it worked. Because he came and we had no light, but when he left, there was no darkness. Can I tell you, that's the kind of sacrifice that God is looking for. I'm not saying that God's calling everybody to the mission field. I'm not saying God's calling everybody to go to a foreign country or foreign nation. But I'm saying every one of us, we ought to be willing to sacrifice and to do something so that people could come to Christ. That's the mind of Christ. It's a mind of purpose. And lastly, I want you to see the mind of Christ is a mind of praise. Now stay with me. Please don't tune out. I'm going to be done in about three minutes, but I need you to listen. If you zone out on me, I'm going to take about 10 minutes to explain this, okay? Notice verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted who? Him, that's Jesus. And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I tell you, Jesus came with a purpose and Jesus himself, the Son of God, he was exalted. His name was above every name. But notice what Jesus did, verse number 11. He did everything that he did to the glory of God the Father. And if Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, would do everything he did 
to bring glory to the Father. Don't you think that's what we ought to be striving for? Don't you think everything in our lives ought to be to bring glory to God? You see, the mind of Christ is a mind of praise. Maybe this week, this past week, maybe you've been stressed. I'll tell you what will relieve stress very quickly is when you just start praising God. Turn on a song, sing along. I mean, if you say, I don't have a stereo, that's okay. You provide the special music yourself. Just sing praise to God. You say, I can't sing. Well, just talk to God. Just tell Him how great He is. Just count your blessings. Just worship Him. And can I tell you, when we get a mind of praise, it's amazing that we find that the worries, the fears, the stresses, they seem to disappear. Let this mind be in you. I want to ask you this morning, what is it that dominates your mind? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.